This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Coachella lifts COVID restrictions. Billboards are back. And are bots hurting the music industry? You're listening to The Biz Tape. Welcome to episode 71 of The Biz Tape, your all things music business and media podcast. And boy... Oh boy, do we have the news for you guys. You want to tell them, Colin? Yes. Huey Lewis and the News <laughs> will be touring the <laughs> national certain now. I wouldn't have uh, No, yeah, we got some interesting ones that are kind of opening up as we're getting into the spring season and, you know, COVID's going down and there's kind of like all of this information that's popping up that's just kind of like, what are we going to do with this yeah. now that there's changes with, you know, COVID being away and like we're going back to normal and all this kind of stuff. And then even an older problem later in the show, but it's all crazy and it's going to be a fun show for us for sure. Uh, and, but Joe, how are you doing? I, that was I'm crazy. doing great. I'm a, I'm a little, I'm a little hungry. Um, oh man. <laughs> so I just want to let everyone know that I'm a trooper today. Oh, we're going to power through the hunger. Yeah. You're metal because we be love mail. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, but so if you, you want to see more articles and stuff that we don't cover on the podcast or just like our music selects and stuff like that, you can subscribe to our newsletter because it's 2022 and newsletters are still a thing, baby. And they're and, back in for like a lot of podcasts do them now, which is really yeah. funny. It's like when I remember when podcasts were 
really new and the iPhone was like, they didn't have all the X. It was just the iPhone when, yeah. when podcasts were, you know, very ba- baby and people would be like newsletter and they kind of faded away, but now they're back. And I knew it was back in when I saw a TikTok that was like, guys, subscribe to my newsletter. Yeah. That's <laughs> and kinda, I was like, whoa, that's full a little circle. too meta. It literally is just being like, so, that's so weird to think about. Be like, Hey, hit me up on my telegraph. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. TikTok, like just weird TikTok, like throwback technology we're bringing back. Uh, I've had not had a phone for a week. So maybe I've literally been going against a phone company forever. It's mm-hmm. a complete side note. And so now speaking of old technology, I'm about to be at this point where I'd be like, give me the goddamn flip phone. Give me the razor. <laughs> just give me the fucking razor. I can I don't envision even care you being anymore. an old man with your flip yeah, phone. And I'm, being like, be, I'm good with my Nokia. I don't need a smartphone. I'm going to be 24 turning on 80. Anyway, so like, (laughs) let's get right into the big story that for some reason there's always one story when we record the show which that is literally breaks as right, we're recording right as we're recording and i don't feel comfortable about talking about it yet because it's just so new that i can't do anything with it and that uh was coachella's plan to lift covid19 rules completely whoa um and the weird part about it is not just the plan to remove them, but kind of how this information has been getting around. So Coachella has not made any official statement on it. Hmm. It wasn't like they came out and said, Hey guys, no more COVID-19 restrictions. We're not doing it. People just found it out by looking at the health and safety section, which is like deep in the website, right? Nobody looks at that. That's like mostly for the lawyers to point out, which is going to be a point later. And uh, it, it said, quote, attendees would no longer be required to wear masks, show proof of vaccination, Whoa. or provide negative COVID-19 test results. Hmm. So it's it, it's not like, oh, we're taking away some. It's all of them. They're all gone. Yeah. Like, we've gone back to 2019, gone. So people were looking at this section, funny enough, because Stagecoach which is an all-country festival, which is run by the same promoter as Coachella, which is Golden Voice, announced via social media they would be removing COVID restrictions. And so obviously people were like, well, you guys run this festival and Coachella. What does Coachella have? And they just found it in the website. Mm-hmm. And they still haven't said anything. Whoa. Yeah, everyone... They just were, total silence. Yeah, huh? bigger publications like Variety and Billboard and Pitchfork were all talking about this and they still haven't said anything anything i think personally they're trying to figure out how they want to phrase this because it could be pretty insensitive to be like guys those fucking rules are gone come to our fest and not have to do any of this shit anymore you know that could be super insensitive which especially for coachella you're booking a lot of like rock indie pop which a lot of audience members i feel like in those genres are not going to respond too great to that as opposed to the country music genre. And that was brought up uh, <laughs> is that the maybe this is because Stagecoach has a more conservative base being a country music festival. So they thought we'll probably put this out in a more straightforward message mm-hmm. and Coachella maybe we'll just wait on. Yeah. Or maybe they won't do it at all. That would be even stranger. But this is a very strange coincidence as uh, even Golden Voice hasn't said anything about it after Pitchfork tried to contact them multiple times. Mm-hmm. So they're definitely formulating something going on, like how are we going to phrase this? How are we going to talk about this? And the question at bay really is, 
Coachella being one of the biggest festival brands there is. Yeah. Will this affect smaller festivals and other stages across America, basically? Mm-hmm. Because Coachella is so big. Being, I, I would say, as I've said in the show before, Bonnaroo and Coachella I put as the one and two of American festivals, if not a model for the re- a lot of the rest of the world. And so they wonder if, you know, Coachella can get away with it. Can we get away with it? Which, depending on what your stance on COVID-19 and stuff like that is, might not be the words getting away with it. Might just be like, is it time? Yeah. Um, so basically a lot of people thought this was an oddity though, because not a lot of festivals have actually done this yet. Um, it was pitchfork lists a bunch of them actually in the article that will, you know, like all of our articles be linked below. Not all these festivals have even done even close to this yet. And we haven't really seen a, a straightforward ripple effect of being like, we're doing this because Coachella isn't doing it Mm -hmm. or getting rid of our COVID-19 masks mandates or even vaccination mandates. So we're still waiting on that. But a catalyst may be that California recently dropped many of its outdoor COVID policies and indoor mask requirements, which is where Coachella is held. But the state recommends at least vaccination proof or negative tests for gatherings over 10,000, which Coachella hovers around 250,000. Yeah. So So well above that, like recommended limit. (laughs) Right. And funny enough, Stagecoach and Coachella do recommend wearing masks, but for protecting against the desert dust. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes. The very dreaded desert dust. Oh, yes. Very, very powerful stuff. You know what, Colin? I've heard that it's worse than COVID. Yeah. It's so much worse. (laughs) Um, One lasts about two seconds. The other last your entire life life sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's, it's very shocking. And some people are kind of scared because no matter what the outcome is from this Coachella that might occur with no COVID precautions, people worry that Coachella could be just a shining beacon for people to point out no matter what the outcome is to be like, this occurred and the world didn't end. So we don't have to deal with all this COVID stuff anymore. Mm -hmm. No matter if there was some way of proving there were outbreaks or not, it just seems like some scientists and stuff that are mentioned in the Pitchford article were concerned about that, of people pointing and being like, oh, it happened, so life must be normal again. And interesting enough, some are even kind of scared other than the regular COVID risk because the, and some of you may have heard this, the BA.2 virus is a subvariant of Omicron and is more severe and infectious than its predecessors. And many people are wondering in the United States and in the world, are we opening up too fast? Yeah. And Coachella might be caught in that opening up too fast for this variant that we at this time do not know what it'll be like two months from now when Coachella takes place in April. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also just like a very late response time on Coachella's part to not say anything now because of how close the dates are. There are ticket holders that probably do not know. Yeah. And if you're concerned about this, then the question really is, are they going to flip if like COVID was really bad? Or are they just going to cancel? Well, or But at that point, there's already ticket holders who probably don't want to follow procedure. Yeah. And right? that's kind of the thing is it's, it, it seems like a, 
it seems like a deadly kind of take to start off with Mm -hmm. as opposed to being like, Hey, we're removing restrictions. Um, in the end, I will say that, that, uh, pitchfork brings up a good point that these COVID measures that for large gatherings are extremely expensive. For instance, fortune 500 companies reportedly spend up to $865,000 and more on such COVID measures for large gatherings. So that's the people who are checking your vaccines, who, you know, all the PPE that everybody has to wear. Yeah. uh, If they do on-site testing or like a vaccination even. Yeah, it's very, it's pretty, you know, at a premium because a lot of people want this in their regular lives, not just at a music festival. So, yeah, the savings on this seem to be probably, in my opinion, a huge uh, reason to skip on them for mm-hmm. Coachella because you don't have to deal with this in this 250,000-person festival, especially when COVID is shrinking in rates currently, and a lot of people are kind of letting their guard down around the country about it. And funny enough, though, Coachella is watching their back because in their documentation on their COVID warning section, they warn of the life-threatening conditions of COVID and the risk of infection, so they're not going, you know fully on without any protection legally in case you did get COVID at this thing. Yeah. And so I'm going to leave you with uh, a quote from uh, Richard uh, Carpano or Carpiano, a public health expert and public policy professor at the university of California, Riverside, which is where the Coachella actually occurs. Mm -hmm. So the festival could have least required vaccine verification or proof of negative tests. These type of, types of protocols along with a mass mandate for the unvaccinated. Uh, it's very str- And I'm going to summarize them. It's very strange that they're not at least doing one of these. And then going back to the quote, these big fests such as Lollapalooza implemented uh, those precautions during last year's Delta wave with no apparent super spreader results. Why do this now? Mm-hmm. The timing does seem odd. I, I think like, I think Coachella is trying to get a leg up on the competition here, right? I definitely think so. Um, and I mean, Coachella's notoriously done that, I feel like, since its inception, because they've really paved the way for how festivals operate, how festivals are perceived online, um, how festivals even book, right? But it is one of those things is like, is it cool to get in on a trend that makes you more money? Or, you know, like, I feel like they're treating this medical situation like more like a social media As trend. a perk. Yeah, like, where it's like, oh, man, you know what's going to be in? Not requiring vaccines Well, and soon. the worst part is for them personally, in my opinion, without giving a statement or anything like that, I have nothing to go by other than what, you know, all these other publications are saying and they're making sense to me, Coachella, and saying that it seems like you're saving a lot of money here and you don't know if this is the right time for it. And to be honest with you, from what I've seen, a lot of health experts are saying that these COVID-19 kind of procedures and uh, ways to prevent it are slowly going to go away in the next, towards the end of the year, Mm -hmm. not in the next two months for a lot of things. So, I mean, the question really is, do, you, do we think this is too soon? Because I obviously am not a public health expert by any means, but it seems very strange from a festival with such notoriety and being such a big force that they are for them to really take the stand on this, almost as the, 
I, I almost want to say like they quoted Lollapalooza, which I've talked about Lollapalooza being in, instrumental in making COVID-19 procedure standardized in the concert industry. It almost seems like the anti of it. Yeah. Where it's almost like, here's an example that's a little bit way less from another very notable festival. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... I, I feel like in this situation, the most important thing is not to be right and to be fast with it, but it's to be like careful, right? Like, I don't think that festivals need to be rushing to not require vaccines because as, we, as we've seen, I mean, yes, the costs are higher with a lot of these uh, places, but they are also making a ton of ticket revenue still. People are going to concerts, people are experiencing events, people are doing it, and people are following the rules behind a lot of these uh, concerts because that's what's required. And I think it's it's helping the safety of the concert goers. At I the also end of think the day. it's strange to have kind of this all or nothing. Yeah, exactly. I, I do think it's like maybe we can see this happening in like a year, maybe, maybe less. I mean, if they with, said like, if they went in there and were like, okay, no masks, but you have to show your vaccine or your negative COVID card. I feel like people would be like, okay, this is the next step. COVID's kind of going down. But this seems, from a lot of these publications, yeah, very severe. Yeah. And again, no statement is definitely a statement in itself. Exactly. I mean, they are gambling. They're trying to, they're trying to gauge the social perception of like, what's it going to be like in two months? Because if another variant comes and, and we start getting more and more cases of Omicron again, um, then they're probably going to change their tune and they're probably going to revert to you have to bring your masks and you have Which to bring personally your stuff. for me, I feel like you should have gone the opposite way. With yeah, this. you should have just like had the restrictions in place and then take them away. If you but I know, you know, it seems very attractive to ticket buyers who maybe no restrictions, no restrictions. Exactly. And then maybe it's like, oh, at the end of the day, if we're two weeks away from Coachella and two weeks before they go, hey, we're going to put vaccine requirements on there. I, maybe they made a judgment call for themselves that it's like the sales loss from potentially people refunding their tickets mm-hmm. who are like, I'm not going to deal with vaccines or mandates or COVID uh, masking and stuff like that is way less than a potential opposite, which is, you know, having these people come up and say like, no, I'm not going to go to your festival because it doesn't have vaccine mandates. Yeah. So I think maybe that was kind of a risk they took here is saying like that number of people will be way less. We will make way more money if we have nothing. And then people are just like two weeks out. It's like, sorry to the consumer. You're just going to have to figure this out. If you know, you are actually going to be on the fence about this the whole time, then sorry, we're going to push this whole burden on you specifically. Mm-hmm. So I, I I think that's kind of annoying if I was the ticket buyer who for some reason did, wasn't vaccinated already. But like the idea of kind of doing that so suddenly is just also a lot. I mean, that's a very different festival experience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is. And I'm not going to sit here and say that like people going to concerts aren't like, you know, are like everyone's wearing a mask. Right. And like, maybe every single concert is following procedure because I don't think that's happening. And I also, I also do think like currently from what it's looking like, Omicron is coming down. Right. However, there is evidence that's like you could catch Omicron and be okay with a couple for a couple of months, but then you could get another strain and it could, it goes away. We just, there's so many unprecedented things we do not know. And we seem to be on this, 
kind of falling action, if you will, of COVID for a lot of people. And and we're hoping that it's going to continue that way. I do think like the UK lifting restrictions too has caused kind of a ripple effect. Well, and that's a great point is I almost wanted, I wanted to bring up, do you personally think that the only reason this is occurring is because California themselves said we're going to lay back on a bunch oh, of this stuff? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's the case because, I mean, when you're booking like a festival or building a festival or have a festival, whatever, I mean, the, the biggest importance is the location of the festival, right? And like you have to follow the state regulated rules and mandates. Now, California now with those restrictions lifted, this festival has a leg up on a lot of other festivals in the country that it competes with. It has a leg up over Bonnaroo, you know? It has a leg up over, I don't know, what's another one? Okeechobee? Okeechobee. Okeechobee. Yeah. Yeah, that one. You don't remember (laughs) my song from like four episodes ago? I I do remember it, but I, you know what? I'm not as good. (laughs) Um, I am not the musician. Anyway, yeah, but like that's kind of the thing and that's the important thing to bring up is I'm afraid and experts are a little afraid of people trying to make this a feature of their festival Mm -hmm. at a cost of if this is the most responsible health health decision for the people going to your show. I just think you're going to piss a lot more people off if you revert than if you were to start with the restrictions and then take away. Yeah. It seems like a, you know, a shitty day becoming a great day as opposed to a great day becoming a shitty day. Yeah, exactly. Um, So yeah, I, not to say that COVID, you know, restrictions make a festival innately shitty. I mean, I think we can all say if you were, Obviously, I, unless I was about to be like, unless you're two years old and haven't gone to a festival yet <laughs> since COVID started. But like in general, you could probably agree that going to a festival or concert pre-COVID was a lot funner because it's a lot less stressful and you yeah. don't have to deal with all those precautions and stuff. But I, I don't know. And that's the thing about it is it just seems very reactive. And like you said, I really feel like they're waiting to see the reaction of it. And I don't think the reaction has been so polarizing to make them reverse their decision or think of it the opposite way. I personally would like it the opposite way because you are setting a standard of, you know, we're going to be safe and protect ourselves first and foremost. And if it's safer, closer to the festival, not to do that, then great. We're not going to do it. Yeah, but I mean these these festivals are so hungry to get tickets, you know. And that was brought Especially up after that this, two years. Yeah, they've been closed for two years in terms of Coachella and mm-hmm. Coachella. I also think going back to when we were talking about Stagecoach being about country music and having more of a conservative fan base, Coachella is a very luxury festival. Yeah, and if you're paying that much money to go to Coachella, especially two weekends in a row, you might be of the demographic that's like, I'm not going to pay this much money with COVID restrictions, I'll just wait until next year. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Golden Voice needs your money now after two years of not having it consistently. Yeah. So, yeah, I I think it's very strange. And I hope, I hope that they obviously try to not stick to their guns no matter what. Yeah, I, I do hope they, like, look at the evidence and see the trend of COVID and, and it make, could, it make could decision be based like, off of science rather than, you know, Oh, I'm tired of COVID and we're going to do this. Right. Because yeah. like it's a pandemic pandemics are not meant to be fun. 
right? <laughs> like it's it's one of those things that's like this is just a tough time in our lives and society and we kind of have to just power through and deal with some of the things that come with it. And the, I think the idea of, you know, COVID becoming with from a pandemic to what's known as an endemic, like the flu and all that kind of stuff is a thing, but trying to bottleneck it down, you know, through public events forcefully or intended or not, mm-hmm. um, obviously leads to, you know, strain on the public health system and when it comes to hospitals and all that kind of stuff. And at the end of the day, people who are sick and hurting and I like, look, I miss having live shows that you were sitting at and you go, I actually feel very comfortable here. There's a bunch of people here as comfortable as you can with a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to worry about some weird mystery disease coming to get you. I really hope for that, but I don't think it's worth in my opinion you know, being like, well, we're just going to throw caution to the wind this early on because it's going to make me feel a little bit better yeah. about my experience versus, you know, what it could do long term when it comes to a virus that severely impacted this whole industry. Well, it, this industry and my worry is the hospitals are still very much overrun and uh, there's so short staff that, you know, if people if something were to happen and like more and more people start getting sick again, it's just going to cause more and more strain overall on society. And the the thing about it, and I would like to say why you keep hitting on that, is because at the end of the day, the events that you know professionals like ourselves attend and go to and make, in my case, um, are what super spreader events come from. Yeah. It, it like well, look at yeah. the end of the day, like. You could say whatever you want about, oh, you know, you go to your small little workplace, you see 10 people at your work, you know, you go home, there could be a risk of that. But when you have 250,000 people all mm-hmm. there, that's when, you know, the caution to the wind <laughs> attitude or we're just going to see how this goes is extremely, extremely dangerous yeah. so yeah i i hope that at the end of you know the day who, they just uh, you know who it. threw caution to the wind and it worked out great colin oh god the yeah that's right the fire festival guys <laughs> yeah that, if you because when caution, you think of coachella you think of fire fest let's see we can go down all the co- uh altiplant caution to the wind <laughs> yeah get the hell uh riders in there they'll do great in there um but yeah uh, i can't even remember what they're called hell's angels hell rider i'm thinking of Nicolas cage never mind <laughs> keep going joe Whoa, there's a lot Things what, happening. <laughs> what are we talking about? Non Nicholas Cage related. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on post reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We're going to talk about... Billboards. That's right. Wait. Billboards are cool again. No, no, no. Before you go further, is uh, this an article about billboards from Billboard? Exactly, Colin, because you know why? We're in the metaverse now. <laughs> but, <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. Wait, exactly. No, it <laughs> no, 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 but no, no, over no. the last 10 years, we have seen a dramatic decrease of music marketing money focusing on IRL or in real life advertising, which are like billboards, bus graphics, flyers, etc. Like, when is the last time you've seen like a music graphic on a bus or public transportation. Yeah, like traditional advertising. Yeah, traditional ads and like very, very traditional ads, you know, where you can like hold it in your hands. But as major artists such as Lil Nas X and Swedish House Mafia ramp up for a tour or album releases, the format has begun having a resurgence. Quote, we wanted the fan to have it in their face everywhere they go and not be able to escape Swedish house mafia. That's says scary. Their manager. That's so scary. <laughs> it was, it's a very intense quote. I'm not going to lie. That seems like a line from Barry or something. Yeah, right? exactly. They're like, we want it in your life, in your TV, on your Siri, on your Alexa, in your microwave, in your cereal. But this increase of interest has also translated towards audience members with a 67% of Gen Z and millennials remembering the campaigns on billboards. And if they saw them on social media, 91% said they'd share them on social media. So they would share like a picture of a billboard on social media? Well, okay, so here's the gist. So you know like that trend we've seen over the past like I'd say like year or two where like, you know, artists are like getting billboards and then they like have them in front of the billboard and they take like a selfie and they're like, guys, look at me. I'm on this billboard. I made it, mom. Yeah. That's the shit people share. And that's the shit that people pay attention to. Because to a certain extent, when you have a billboard as an artist, it kind of legitimizes your success, right? You're a legit artist now. So when are, we, when are we getting a billboard? Uh, well, I mean, I, that's the thing, Colin. Billboards aren't cheap okay. still. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's uh, not like you can post on Twitter for free. Like, you can with a billboard. Washing my hands from the billboard You know what the, mo- the least expensive billboard is? Like, at least the ones that are, like, not in the middle of nowhere. 
Oh, God. $5,000. That's the least? That's the least expensive. How long does it run for? It runs for, oh, you know, maybe two days. What? Probably, yeah. It really depends on the location and the amount of foot traffic with the billboard. But a lot of these billboards, they only last a couple of days. Like, you know, there's one in Nashville. If you guys are in Nashville, you see it all the time. It's the Spotify billboard, and everybody who's listening from Nashville knows exactly what we're it's talking It's right about. on before you it's, go to 24 it's, or Yeah, 65. it's when you're coming from East Nashville, yeah. and you're going down, and you see it every single time. And you know what? If you come two days later, that shit's a different person every single time. And that's kind of like the case with a lot of billboards nowadays. Do, it am just, I like stupid for wondering? Like, I'm like, how's that... <laughs> I, I'm sure there's some like fast technology to do it, but I like to imagine it's like one guy just maintains that billboard. Well, here's the thing. There's different levels of billboards that you can have, Colin. We have package deals here. So like I know you can have like a digital one. Yeah. yeah. So the digital ones are the ones that cost millions of dollars, basically. Nice. Yeah. And those are the ones that are in like Times Square and like stuff like that. And those generally, if you get one placement on that, you're probably going to spend about $2 million. Or you can get the placement? cool ones like uh, you know you know who does the coolest billboards? No no lie, this is like the lamest topic I kind of know about. <laughs> is uh, it's all good. We're on billboard talk. Yeah, now. is like the um, Asian Pacific market does like physical billboards cooler than anyone because they are they're all digital. I mm-hmm. guarantee you, if you look up like Japanese, Korean, or anything kind of billboards like that that's LED based, yeah, they're the ones who well, uh, other than Samsung specifically, who makes and uh, LG and all those kind of companies that construct those kind of panels being based in that region, uh, they construct the coolest kind of 3D, you know, design billboards. Usually they're used for, you know, movies, video games and stuff, but artists use them. K-pop billboards are actually really cool too. Yeah. If you've ever seen those on like a Reddit or something like that. Well, and it's awesome and it's it's honestly been kind of taking America by storm because I think like we were kind of slow to the to the to the race there, I guess, if you'd say, uh, with like a lot of those digital billboards are in mostly metropolitan areas. And so like when you're getting like smaller towns, like sub, like I would say like when you're routing a tour, like, like city two, city three type towns and stuff like that, those are more just like the physical format of billboards. And you have to take that into consideration. But if you did want to strike a deal with an ad agency for digital billboards, they can literally upload the graphic and have it live within five minutes of the deal. Apparently, according to one of the guys they interviewed who actually went into this because he saw that more and more people are actually and more and more businesses are, are wanting this physical format because of how popular it's become again. And what's funny enough is the reason he jumped to this part of the industry is because he noticed that music videos weren't getting as much attention anymore. Because they became normal. Because they're normal and every single artist has them now. So it's like, it's one of those things. It's like, who has the unique thing, right? What's, what's, what are people like, what are the cool people t- paying attention to? That's like what everyone's trying to tap into, right? Yeah, it's kind of come back into steam. It's like artsy and cool and not done all the time. That nostalgia and you know almost old school appeal comes back in with billboards too, which is weird to talk about, but that's just kind of how yeah, style works. that like we would be like nostalgia tripping over billboards, but here we are. Well, when you, you know? look at a screen all day and then you see something physical, I'm sure that would probably catch your eye a lot more. Exactly. But honestly, what's crazy is the, there. it's kind of a mixed bag because like you have the physical format, 
But without the digital aspect of sharing it online, it doesn't have as much of an impact as it like by itself. You know what I mean? Because you lose, you the, have to have a partner. You lose almost like part of the virality of it in terms yeah, exactly. of like you know you usually have to shoot an Instagram post or whatever into the darkness of night almost mm-hmm. and hope to God it gets picked up or you know more than your regular followers. And that's a potential that can happen, but it's not like your billboard. Your billboard's getting picked up to go to Times Square, kid. Your billboard's so cool. We loved it on I-65, you know? (laughs) No, this doesn't happen. Exactly. But what's kind of, like, interesting and kind of some, like, I guess food for thought about this whole situation is, yes, these ads are very creative. And, like, you know, like Lil Nas X did an amazing uh, campaign where it was making fun of like, you know how you're like driving in the middle of nowhere and it's like repent or like, yeah, I you saw know, these it's like campaigns. the really weird religious ones or the ones that are like, I buy me your lawyer or whatever, you know, that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, like local lawyers or like running for mayor. Yeah, or, or like you're entitled like to financial compensation, compensation yeah. and like that kind of stuff. And that's the stuff that Lil Nas actually like took into consideration and went with going the extra mile, kind of making fun of it. And with it being in its own format, worked so well. I mean, it went super viral. Everybody was talking about them. Um, But like I said before, the cost of billboards and campaigns are still super high with like a lot of placements being in the millions of dollars because like at the end of the day, you have to make, you have to make the graphic, you have to print out the graphic, you have to hang the graphic, Oh, sorry. I missed a step. You have to transport the graphic to the place. You have to hang it. You have to pay people to hang it. And then, you know, you have to take it down again. And you might have only had it up a couple of days. And at the end of the day, you might have spent twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 on one billboard. Right. Right. In a vain attempt, unlike, you know, the privilege you have with social media now compared to these old kind of physical marketing campaigns where it's relatively free other than paying the graphic designer. Exactly. And that's why it's so impossible really for artists starting out to be able to like break into this kind of trend. Right. And this is why the artists having so much success are the artists with already having success a lot of the time. You know, they already have a social following. They already have an audience to kind of cater to and justify making these purchases. But a lot of these, like I said before, a lot of these placements only last a couple of days as well. They create a lot of physical waste unless you're using LED stuff. And even that create sucks up a lot of juice and power, you know. Yeah. And two, especially in the States, if you're on an LED wall or graphic, you're going to be competing with whatever's on that LED wall graphic too because it's just going to cycle through different yeah. ads. So that's like another thing to keep in... Unless you're paying at a premium. Yeah, exactly, which like you can do, but it's going to cost you a lot yeah, of money. because you're buying multiple ad space of that to basically get you know a monopoly on that one billboard. Exactly. But Colin, do you think like this comeback is kind of more of like a fad do you think this is going to be lasting too much longer um i think it will i i definitely have seen it a lot more now that we've been talking about it i mean for instance when big albums are dropping another one that i thought about was uh drake's newest album um like a big one i think about because i'm personally from atlanta is like whenever a huge rap album comes out there's always pictures i see of billboards in atlanta mm-hmm. always and like they just do huge campaigns and i think it's like supposed to be kind of like oh today is Drake day or today is Kanye day. You know what I mean? Like it's coming. I definitely think it's just like a lot of advertising fallen back into fashion. 
Mm-hmm. Almost like when we were talking about in the beginning with our newsletter, uh, which you can get exclusive stories there. Anyway, the point <laughs> that I'm trying to say is that, uh, yeah, it comes back like cyclical into fashion. People get sick of it, kind of like the music video thing where I don't think music videos are dead. I don't think they're dying or anything. I just think that obviously they've been such a huge deal and they kind of like any piece of art or marketing um, fall in and out of favor over time. I, I am interested. I, I wonder if there's like a, I don't know if you have heard of this before, but Warren Buffett, one of the richest people in the world, bought a bunch of newspapers and nobody knows why. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's like a Warren Buffett of billboards and now he's just like ranking it in. <laughs> like there was like some weird point in like the middle of 2000s where everyone was like, no, you can do it all free on social media. And this guy's like, I'm going to buy every billboard in the country yeah, <laughs> and just rake it in. You got you you're going to wait. And they, they all Everyone's said I was like, crazy. Everyone, yeah, Bill's crazy. Don't listen yeah. to him. He'll just go on and on about billboards. Billboards. It's just like, <laughs> okay, Grandpa, I'm going to check out this new Instagram app where I can do it for free, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's just kind of now with physical marketing, unless you can find some new, really crazy, inventive way for it, I, I think it's just cyclical. It just comes back into favor. Now I'm, now I'm just trying to think of other ones. Mm-hmm. That uh, like I could think come back. I mean, if if somehow like a newspaper came back in, you know, like people are like, we're gonna buy our news physically again, just yeah. for like the supporting of the arts or something, and then you could have physical newspaper ads or I, like yeah. I mean, I do think that to an extent, it's a physical experience, right? But it's not. It's more. I, I feel like it's out of people's way. You know what I mean? Like if you buy a newspaper, a physical newspaper, you got to carry around that newspaper. You got to know how to read. You got to you got to look at the page numbers. <laughs> I, I'm you're glad like, you finish finish the article on page eighteen. And you're like, God damn it! I'm and glad you really like, emphasize that you have to learn how to read first before you could enjoy. Well, the yes, newspaper. yes, you you should know how to read before. Uh, well, you might a, as well put step two: open the paper. <laughs> you know, like, uh, but yeah, I I get what you mean. It's like you could interact with this in the middle of the day, and obviously, we haven't even talked about like. We're, we're, we've mostly been talking about billboards that are just like a pole in the ground and there's a sign on top of it. There's mm-hmm. also, you know, wraps on cars, like a bus or like on a bench and all that kind of stuff. So that would also be kind of in that billboardy section, I would put it personally. Um, and so like you would interact with it in real life by seeing it, but it kind of definitely is a throwback, but also importantly is reinventing the wheel in a lot of ways. I mean, little Nas isn't just putting, Hey, little Nas X new album. He's like mate playing with the genre of it. Yeah. By, you know, making fun of these local ads and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. It's, it, that's why it's so important with, with how these campaigns are executed because if it's like, Oh, billboards are back and everyone's like, Oh shit, I got to make a billboard now. And then everyone's like making the same format. Nobody's going to listen to it. You know what I mean? Because so it's, like it's just gonna look like here's everything my else. example of like people get tired of marketing after a while, especially if it's very samey. Mm-hmm. And I, if you want a modern example, here's my modern example. Hey guys, I just wrote a song. It's about having a feeling. I'm sitting in my car right now. I'm gonna play it for you. Play. Here I am in my car. <laughs> you know that this is what I'm talking about. Is that TikTok video where like a singer songwriter is like in the car, uh, dude, it's and it's so, so tr- played out. It's so tropey, and I know it. I know it's because 
a lot of artists, they're just like, they don't know what to do on TikTok. They just, they're, they're trying their best. Well, we're going to get into the whole thing of like doing it, having to be a content creator and an artist and how those are different things. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I definitely, what I'm trying to say though, is like, if you've seen those TikTok videos of people in the car and they're like, let me play you my song. And then they like mouth it. And you, you have this feeling of, I'm so tired of this. Yeah. That's just what happens with marketing. It's like something catchy like that happens. My People favorite, kind of grab on and then they move away. My favorite thing is like when it's like way, like they're way too into it. Like they're happy. They're like, hey guys, this is about my girlfriend when she cheated on me and like left me for some <laughs> dude across the country. Anyways, here's my song. And they're like smiling and they're like really getting into it. And you're like, man, this is, wait, what, what happened? <laughs> wait, can you go back? I always, I always wanted the video where like, they have like some random stranger be like, Hey, you got to move your car. I'm trying to go to work. You know what I mean? Like in the middle of <laughs> or it. Or even better, they're doing it at like a McDonald's like drive through, <laughs> like as they're ordering. Ma'am. Ma'am. Oh God, that's going to be a, that's going to be a new prank Can thing I have- now. And I, I just don't even want to well, be associated with that. I already that know idea. that it exists. There's just going to be some guy that's like, Hey, random McDonald's employee, you heard my new song. And they'll be like, Sir. Take your McDouble and get out of here. Like I did see a good chain smokers one, which like I was shocked. <laughs> I was shocked that it was coming from the chain smokers. I heard it the chain but but it was literally just like the weirdest, like it's like our type of humor where it's just so random and like deep fried, you know what I mean? That you're just like, wow, this right. is kind of crazy goes, how we're hip talking the about chain it. You play are. with the format. Yeah. You gotta reinvent the format a little bit. So Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely overplayed. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Besides being overplayed, what's 
What's next? No, actually, that works. No, <laughs> it is overplayed. We're going to talk about music streaming and combating fake streams. Ooh. Now, like, Joe, you're you're the same age as me, so you probably remember, like, when Spotify and stuff was starting out. Oh, do I? And uh, all that streaming was starting, and fake streams at the time were, like, a really big deal mm-hmm. in terms of, like, people literally paying old bots because they're trying to figure out how these algorithms would work for streaming and they hadn't figured it out to figure out like to beat the machine basically. So there'd be sites where you'd be like, pay me $50 and this bot will just click your song 2 million times. Yeah. So then you have 2 million streams. So thankfully like that, the, the streaming services have gotten better and there's a lot of different requirements and ways for them to weed out bots, which we'll kind of get into. But uh, it's kind of an old idea to talk about boosting streams, but it's still a really big problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted to touch on it because um, it has to fundamentally do with how streaming pays out money and why that causes an issue with how streaming is even formulated. Like, yeah, because it's different if you're like getting hits on your Instagram account, right? But because like at the end of the day, you're probably not gonna get paid. Yes, most for that. of the time, other than if you had like a brand sponsorship or something. But uh, uh, honestly, they're very good at figuring out if you're like boosting like that, and that yeah, kind of stuff. So yeah, it's it's a pretty rampant problem still. Is basically what I'm trying to get at, and it's still shadowy as ever. And I kind of want to clarify first how streaming payouts work, which we've talked about on the show, like I think like six months ago. But the point is, is that a lot of people have a misconception of when you stream a song that like one stream equals a certain amount of money. Mm-hmm. So if like I stream Joe's song, it's like Joe gets two pennies. Every Whoa, stream. Two whole pennies. And it, the worst part is that's an over-exaggeration. Yeah, um, that would yeah. be like a payday, man. Damn, yeah, <laughs> that'd be good. But like, if you, like Joe gets two pennies a stream. I think most people think of streaming like that. But it's not. It, and the reason why is because it's a lot of pools of money that get separated out. Mm-hmm. And it's even worse than my two. But like two pennies would be a very generous deal. That would be awesome. Yeah. Um, but the reason why it's such a big deal with fake streams is because like basically when fake streams are used to increase plays on a song, the revenue generated by those streams comes from the overall pie from which rights holders are paid by streaming services. Ah, yes, the rights holders pie, baby. (laughs) That's why many executives refer to the act as theft because it's effectively taking revenue away from other rights holders who generate these streams organically. Mm -hmm. So what they're saying here is that pie, like we're talking about, and that was a quote from Billboard, that pie is actually how you're paid out. So it's not, you know, Joe gets two pennies for every stream that he gets. It's pools of percentages. So like Spotify will figure out, for example, how many streams Warner Music got from all these different streams, Mm -hmm. and they'll pay a percent based on that. So let's say that Warner was like 30% of all streamed music from Spotify. Okay. Okay. Here's all the revenue money we owe you for this month based on our agreements and stuff. And you were 30%. So here's 30% of that money. Mm-hmm. And then Warner goes down the line and goes, okay, Joe, you were 10% of our 30% of the money. So you're going to get that money and then we're going to calculate your royalty payment into that. So like maybe if your royalty payment's like 7% or something. So you got to go down the line. It's literally 30, what did I start? 30% of 10% of 7%. Mm-hmm. So that's why these fake streams get into big deals is because like 
effectively, if I was also on the label with Joe and I was boosting my streams instead of Joe having that uh, 10% of the streams from Warner and I had, you know, I boosted my numbers up. I'm taking money from Joe because I'm taking that pool down because I'm getting more streams of that pool and it can make Joe have 8% of the money. Now the money's going up because there's more streams, but because streams are so cheap, it's like huge cuts of money to have these percentages go down and the increase in total money is not going up a lot. Yeah. So that's why these boosted streams are a really big problem. And so people across the industry, which I wanted to point out, Billboard likes to do these articles where they like talk to CEOs and executives and they do it like anonymously. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, fucking put your name on it. God damn it. Because yeah. some of you people like are saying stuff that I'm like, this would be very important if you said this out loud as a real person. And it's really funny because some of the takes are literally like, yeah, fake streaming is bad. Don't put my name on that. Like, <laughs> like it would be like me being like, yeah, stealing is wrong. Well, Don't put my name on well, that. Do you think that I, I mean, maybe this is kind of like the, like a little Pepe Silvio moment. Right. But like, do you think that they're doing that because, they are paying for streams. For well, I'm artists. glad you mentioned that because one CEO claimed that one of the issues with this and he, that person claims it's the main issue is that there's a three degrees of separation basically because labels are paying marketing companies who then are out in marketing to other firms mm-hmm. and they end up giving money through that funnel to stream boosting sites. Yeah. Because it's like, hey, we want to boost Joe's streams up. So random marketing company, let me give you $10,000 and we want results. We want like 20% increase in streams or something. And marketing company's like, okay, we'll take your money. And it's like, but we're going to need some help from this internally to figure this out. We can't do it by ourselves. So let's hire some other marketing companies and do it. And that's what it gets separated is like, what if that marketing company then bought a, you know, used a streaming boosting site mm-hmm. and then they can come back to Joe and go, hey, I boosted your streams by 20% due to our marketing. You know what I mean? So yeah. like that's kind of why it gets really sketchy sometimes and maybe why their names aren't on it. But like literally, like I was saying, some of these people are literally saying, I'm theft is wrong. Like, and that's like all it is. Like literally, um, <laughs> these, these big CEOs are just like, yes, yeah, stealing's bad. Don't do it. Like literally. So, uh, yeah, others blame the huge emphasis on first week consumption and streaming numbers of artists and for their careers. So basically the whole emphasis on like, Hey, if we're going to get signed, we have to see how many streams you get like the first week of yeah. putting a song out before that we need to know. So there's like a huge emphasis on these artists to have really big numbers on Spotify. And so they can go like, I'm a real artist, sir. I have 200 listens a month. Damn. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the point is, is that like, there's a lot of factors at play and nobody can really figure out who's kind of to blame. Cause there really isn't one person to blame. Some people even go at Spotify saying that, the way obviously streaming revenue is calculated is an issue, but also some people think that Spotify isn't doing enough to even combat streams with some of their, uh, you know, technologies at play and not even specifically Spotify. we got Apple music, Amazon, all of those are being, you know, have their own problems structurally with uh, fake streams because of just sometimes how easy it is. And depending on how good their architecture is to detect fake streams. Yeah. So, Which I'm assuming it's kind of hard. It's it's a bit difficult. Well, I mean, as the technology gets further along, I mean, 
bots get better and so your technology has to evolve with it so if you're not evolving technology to detect it then you're going to be far behind when i first started you know talking about streaming in the beginning it's like you know back in the day you could literally hit the play button a bunch of times and it would make the streaming numbers go up i remember when youtube was like that Mm -hmm. but that's why if you ever see like things that say you have to listen to a song for 30 seconds for it to count as a stream that's why these rules are in here is for bots and also to figure out who's actually listening to your music. Yeah. So yeah, there's a bunch of things like that. I mean, they can also track accounts and see like, Oh, there's this one account that just listens to a song on repeat. Or it's like a bunch of accounts. They obviously it's like a click farm or something. Yeah. And so like, yeah, that's kind of the issue with it is that like they have to evolve that technology with it. And funny enough, governments are even getting involved with this because um, it's hurting people monetarily, obviously, and causing money to go to people that don't rightfully deserve that money because of, you know, the streams aren't actually being streamed and it's breaking the system necessarily because these bots are doing it. So Germany has taken measures of it. And my personal favorite is Brazil's takedown of 84 streaming uh, sites called Operation Anti-Doping. Whoa, that's intense. I don't know what dare consultant they hired for that (laughs) title name, but like Operation Anti-Doping, is that the most... Anti-Doping for music streams? I, there's got to be other the things dope, involved with doping it. Of the doping of music streams. I felt it was a little strange. Like, music streams are dope. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it'd, it'd be like me being like, yeah, we're going to go after all the fake streams and Operation Desert Storm. No. like, <laughs> uh, And so, yeah, it's really strange. But, yeah, it's a huge problem. And CEOs kind of don't know what exactly it is. And the question really at hand now is, a lot of the public, like I said before, doesn't really know about it, doesn't really want to know about it. And mm-hmm. as one CEO said, people have turned the page on thinking that it's a problem and noting that the proliferation of legal music streaming has overshadowed streaming fraud from bot farms. Quote, the idea of theft being a problem seems like it's not a current issue when we know that it is. So yeah, I'd like to see more be done about that type of fraud. It's not the same challenges during the Napster days where you've had a majority of the access happening in illegal ways. Now it's a problem, but it's not the dominant problem. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it seems to me that it, because it's not literally causing the industry to go to a halt... And it's just just kind of okay with it. Yeah, it's just causing a bleeding effect on it. Yeah. In the end of the day. I mean, Joe, what do you think about it? I mean, I I have a back and forth on like a lot of just stream marketing in general. Um, I do think, I I do think like you can kind of tell even by yourself, you don't really even need bots sometimes to tell if somebody is farming clicks. You know what I mean? Just because of the kind of engagement that they get or kind of attention and a lot of the times it's from comparing other media i definitely think it's like a sleuth you know you yeah you kind of have, have to, to dig in a little you bit you kind of have like to know what it. you're looking at and that's kind of the job of you know if you're potentially getting looking to get signed or something like that that's the job of your a and r person for instance mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff and it's kind of funny to think about it's like a and r used to be hey is this song really good are these people nice now it's literally looking through data <laughs> Yeah. You know, looking through, do you have enough of this? Do you have enough of this? And all that kind of stuff. And I, and it's just so strange how we've evolved with technology to change how the fundamental working of the industry works. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, 
am at a loss for, and we've mentioned on the show how much of an emphasis there is on these goddamn numbers. Yeah, I mean, there's such a huge emphasis on it that uh, a lot of a lot of artists starting out have, like, have a very, I wouldn't say a warped because I think in general it is kind of the way the industry works of like, you know, buying to get on playlist, buying to get placement, mm-hmm. you know, buying to get whatever, and sometimes. You know, at the end of the day, you could argue, hey, that's marketing. It's the same thing as buying a billboard, right? Getting your way into a playlist by buying your way to a playlist or something like that. But I do think that when it comes to to bots in general, it is it is definitely theft on a grander scale of like you are taking a chunk out of everybody's paycheck at this so point. This I, is everybody's I, I wanted problem. to talk about why, you know, I'm sure there's somebody there that's like why the hell does this matter at the end of the day? Like, why does it matter other than obviously you're maybe taking money from someone else that's in your pool of money, for instance, or Spotify's total pool of money. Like what does this fake streams do that make it so bad? Mm -hmm. So like, for instance, we were talking about kind of like, you kind of have to be a sleuth sometimes and look at somebody's numbers and really understand like, you can't have 50,000 monthly listeners and 200 Instagram followers. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't make sense. Yeah. And that makes A&R completely different. And, but at the same time, there's people who are maybe, you know, starting out who are like a manager or somebody else, or maybe even non music business directly. Maybe you're like an accountant or something and you're going to be like, Hey, I want to see if this is an actual client that is a musician and see if he's actually successful before I throw him a bone and, you know, make his taxes for free or something like that. So like, that's an example of that. Spotify also has a problem with it because fake streams for them mean that they have numbers that are not true, especially to their shareholders Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to total listeners on the platform. Um, And also it makes it hard for them to figure out who, they're going to sponsor with potentially. And I, you know, and this is also not a Spotify thing. It could be any brand also. I mean, if you look at, you know, Hey, I, I want a sponsorship with this one brand and this brand wants to see how successful maybe your music is or something like that. You, they're going to look at your numbers, even on your streaming, not just your social media. And that could cloud them. If you don't have the expertise to kind of look at, you know, all of this information or even time together of social media streams and all that kind of stuff, it does hurt industries that are based on using information accurately. Yeah. Now we can get into this too. It's like the emphasis on that information though is part of the problem. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, like I said, it used to be, Hey, you got a good song. You're nice guys. We're going to sign you. But in this day and age, there's a lot of labels and a lot of people that won't even take you seriously as an artist unless you have a certain number of something. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of why these people, either marketing agencies or fan or artists directly go to these services because they go, well, I just need this to get by. I need this to show people that I'm a real musician because I have other people listening to it. And then when I get real people, I won't have to do this anymore. Yeah. But it's a kind of... It's it's a gamble. It's a gamble, and it's a very risky one, and it's proven not to work a lot of the time for a lot of these people. Yeah, and it taints your reputation. Yeah, once a lot. anyone can figure out that you are faking these numbers, you are going to have complete loss of credibility mm-hmm. in terms of 
everything when it any comes kind of to business situation out the door yeah. because they're not going to believe these valuable analytics that they're going to look at. At the end of the day, those businesses want money, and how are they going to make money by real people buying their shit? Right, exactly. You know? So and so, yeah, I just think that it's um, you know, promotion specifically valuing the results more than the means. Mm-hmm. And that can be a big problem, especially when you get into actually trying to have the outcomes of having good promotion, which are increased sales, increased notoriety, you know, somebody giving you a handout when you need it, all that kind of stuff. So that that's kind of the thing. And I asked our fans, um, do you think buying streams or paying money for bots to stream songs is a problem? And most of you thankfully did. I do appreciate that. But we did have a vocal minority that was about 5% that said no. Because it just it's an old thing. But it's still happening. It just seems that if it's not a Napster thing and it's making the whole industry fall off a cliff, mm-hmm. then people are just going to ignore it. Yeah, I mean, it could be a slow bleed situation. Yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Like over time it gets worse and worse, but maybe now's the time to solve this the problem. So I think I think you hit it on the nail there is like you're you're having people get hurt and some of them don't even know it. Mm-hmm. And but Colin, unless it's hurting them, they don't care. Right. And the funny part is is you might not know that it's hurting you. Yeah. Because it it's this whole idea of like you could directly be losing money if you're an artist. But also, you could have other situations where people are comparing artists to each other, and you go, "Why does this person have fifty thousand and you don't have fifty thousand? Mm-hmm. You know, streams a month or something." And you have to be like, "No, they're boosted." And you're like, "You don't know that." So th- that's kind of the thing. Is like the parables of how this has hurt people. I could just come up with on the fly because there's so many. But it's not a straightforward. Hey, we have to fix this. It's a whole systematic problem. Yeah. Which if society has taught us anything, society does not like systematic problems. No, it does not. <laughs> oh god, no, it does not. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. But, uh, you know what I like, Colin? Um, That's right, music. Love oh, music. <laughs> um, live, well, laugh, music. Sorry, live, laugh, ahead. music, baby. Uh, but this week I've been listening to a lot of different stuff. I'm kind of in a music rut right now. What about you, Colin? Are you? Um, a little bit, but I, I've kind of been going a little bit every, oh, around. Um, let's around see. town? Yeah. Around I, the world? Uh, let's, let's see. I have... I was listening to this, um, you know, you know, I like Prince and I've been listening to this originals album, Freaking which he, which they released in 2019. And, um, what it is, is it's like all his original songs, like kind of in their original form, but it has like songs that you don't know Prince wrote on there. Oh, wow. Um, so like, uh, a big one that he wrote, which is for the Bengals is he wrote uh, manic Monday. Um, oh yeah. Yes, he wrote that for them. So supposedly because he loved uh, the lead singer so much mm-hmm. that he was like, "I'm gonna write this song for you." That's the alleged story. But yeah, he wrote that song "Manic Monday," and that's originally a Prince song. And uh, it's really weird. That version is really weird because it's just got like uh, this kind of 
you know, Paisley Park randomness where he's just like, fuck it, this will never go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And he just like puts this, this, this specific part in the song where uh, he goes, uh, like at the end of the uh, B section, it's like time goes so fast when you're having fun. And it literally sounds like a piano falling down the stairs. <laughs> like literally, if you go listen to that song in the middle of it, the Prince version, that is that literally like you can tell he's just like, fuck it, let's just do this. And then two bars later, it goes back to the regular song. Wow. And you're like, what the fuck just happened? I showed it to my <laughs> boss at work and he was like, what are we listening to? And I was like, that's Prince for you, baby. <laughs> you know? Um, well, I've been listening to, uh, an album that I, I've loved throughout my times, I guess, of being a teenager, um, a thing called Divine Fits by Divine Fits, uh, which is actually a super group with, um, Brett Daniel from, uh, Spoon and I can't remember the other guy's name, but he's from, uh, he's from, um, you're going to edit this out. No, I'm going to keep it in. <laughs> You're keeping it in? Oh, no. Uh, 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 hold on. Wolf Parade. Yes. Yes. It's um, Sam Brown and Wolf Parade's uh, member Dan Bokner. So, yeah. It's a cool little super group that they got going on. Actually, I'm going to turn that part up in the recording. Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that <laughs> yeah. a lot. Um, also, uh, Untolerable album by Men I Trust. Or Untourable, not Untolerable. It's not an intolerable album. It's an amazing album, but it's by uh, Men I Trust, untourable album. And it's got this like cute little photo of like, I think that's the lead singer when she was a kid and she's just like jumping up. Yeah, it is and fun. Like, I, yeah. like, I like them a lot. I like their uh, live stuff. Um, yeah, they're, su- I mean, they're amazing. And then, I mean, this is just a genre I've been getting into, but hyper pop. Honestly, I've been kind of getting into it. Oh, yeah. I will tell you, there you is a big hyper pop fan over here. Oh, man. There's, Colin, there's so much bad hyper pop out there. Like, there's just so much bad hyper pop. The but the there are it. gems, man. There's gems, and you're like, oh, this is really good. But then you, have, you got to trudge through a lot of crap to get to I it. I think the problem with that, and it kind of reminds me of my thing with Vaporwave, is that both of those are kind of about like not giving a fuck and like, you know, being like, I'm putting this out there. And that's very hard to do. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, like, and you can tell you're really trying that it kind of like defeats the purpose. Yeah. It's like you're given this added, you're like trying to make a song that's like, I don't give a fuck about anything. I don't care. And then it's like, nah, you really care. Like, yeah. And uh, you do. And then I will say like kind of the, it has a lot of lyrical tropes, right? And that that's a little bit like pop punky where it's like these 30 year old dudes talking about how, you know, talking <laughs> about girlfriend. their high school life or something. And it's like, Hey man, like, it's over. My girlfriend <laughs> like, back in warp tour. Yeah, it's like that kind of energy sometimes. Yeah. And it, it's 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 hard, but man, sometimes you just need p- pitched vocals and a beat that doesn't make sense, you know? <laughs> Is that yeah, how we're going to yeah, end yeah, it? Yeah, that's what we need. <laughs> Is that what we're ending? Okay. <laughs> no, I got I'm going to edit up part back in of you messing up. Oh, thanks. Right thanks. I appreciate that. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of The Biz Tape. You can follow us at The Biz Tape uh, basically everywhere. And you can sign up for our newsletter where we have great articles that we just didn't have time to talk about 
on this episode, uh, as well as like our music picks, Colin's poll results, and uh, we got a couple new sections for it coming up too. Yeah, the, to... the historical section. Yeah. What happened this week in history, and then I got another one potentially coming up. So the newsletter is ever expanding, the show is ever expanding. We're just expanding forever. We're expanding boys, you know. We're just we're we're philanthropic. Okay. Well, you know what the most philanthropic bird is? I, I think we should go back to. <laughs> We are expanding boys, because I would like to edit that out. <laughs> okay. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.